Hey, we're on a roll, man. It's Saturday morning at 8.17 in Phoenix. The sun is up and shining. Oh, that makes reminds me. Got to get the sunglasses. It's no longer overcast. It's We have sunshine. Not a cloud in the sky over here. And Bud is excited to walk. This is Buddy's owner's Arizona schnoodle walks. So I'm going to go back in. And it's very important for the podcast that I have sunglasses. So I need my sunglasses because it's nice and bright out there, even though it's cold. So here we go, back outside. Hey, bud. And uh, this podcast, if you, you, you already noticed it, it's called OK Boomer. Yeah, OK Boomer. That's the latest phrase, probably about three weeks old. So it's kind of like the latest kind of like dismissive phrase. And uh, technically, you'd think that it would be reserved for uh, usage. Reserved usage is for those born after 1965, I think it is. So the OK Boomer phrase is intended to be an insult in argument or debate. So somebody who's younger, who's getting frustrated discussing something with somebody will just retort, okay, boomer. (laughs) And I had that played on me this morning. Isn't that great? How could that happen? This is the magical world we live in with technology. And uh, so I had a... This lawyer guy, I I, I just found out he was a lawyer because he confessed that he was a lawyer. But we had this some kind of argument going on about politics and evil and stuff like that. And so the guy made the mistake of like going, well, I'm an immigration lawyer. And as soon as as soon as he self-identified as an immigration lawyer. Wow, that just opens up the door to all kinds of uh, um, challenging observation, let's say. So, for one, if you're an immigration lawyer and you make your money by representing those who wish to immigrate here, would you want more immigration? Uh, less immigration or no immigration? Well, I think the logic would say if you're an immigration lawyer, you would want more immigration. And it even and lawyers are funny because it doesn't even matter what side you're on. I mean, I would I think the assumption is, and this is not a guarantee, but are would we think that more than eighty percent of the quote-unquote immigration lawyers are representing uh, those that wish to immigrate, it's probably closer to 100% because the other side of the discussion is probably represented by the state or the government. But I'm no lawyer, so I don't know. But uh, the tweets were going back and forth, and the guy called me a boomer 
okay, boomer. And he, and he just makes all these assumptions about me. So back to loser think and Scott Adams, it's how much mind reading is the guy doing? The guy's doing lots of mind reading, you know, and uh, I'll come back to that in a moment, but I just, to bring it to you, the so what is, I like the Scott Adams guy because he's humble and he says, these are, you know, mental prisons we get into. And he's humble enough to say he has been stuck in those mental prisons. And not only that, he admits that he goes back to them as well. So, uh, and if that's the case, a guy that's kind of mastered the mental prison, so to speak, getting out of the mental prison, um, he's, he's pointing out that one of the biggest mental prisons is the idea that we can read other people's minds. And it's so practical to have that concept and to let that concept dwell in you. I think it, I mean, he kind of understates it in his book because he's, you know, but even in just everyday living, I mean, I can jump right to the now what, and that is think about all your interactions. Hey, Doug. Morning. And uh, all your interactions. Like, am I trying to read that person's mind, read their body language, figure out what they're thinking? Am I looking at my children and going, I wonder what that kid's thinking? You know, it looks like they want milk and stuff, but maybe they just want to poop or something, you know? So, I mean, you, you, you do. And maybe mothers are better at this from experience because they know that they can't read their kids' minds. So mothers are probably naturally better at a lot of shit. <laughs> and fathers, we kind of suck at shit because we just don't spend the time with it. We're in our off in our own world. And uh, some would say that we're just off in our own world walking our dog, right? But I'm trying to be get some benefit out of walking the dog. And uh, if I just read Doug's mind there, who I just passed, kind of looked like he was smiling. He's probably like, bang, there he goes again. <laughs> there he is. Here's this guy. All he sees is a body. A big dude. I'm a big dude. I'm out here in the morning walking the dog again. <laughs> I just don't even realize the um, impression or whatever I'm making or the outside. But again, as you read my mind, like, oh, there's a he's nuts. You know, he's just walking his dog. But he doesn't know that I'm adding value to the world by podcasting you these amazing insights, right? Right. So anyway, so you're now what after all this is going to be. How often do you read minds or think that you can? Right. So let me bring it back to this little Twitter debate I had and uh, the guy's arguing. And so he reveals that he's a immigration lawyer and that just opens up a whole a whole line of attack because. Um, you know, he kind of thought that I was like greedy because I was making the comment that, hey, I think the current situation is good with low unemployment and blacks and Hispanics having all these jobs. I think that's a good thing. So I'm have, I have the abundance mentality of like, I think this is all good stuff, right? 
and he's like, oh, you're, you're just, you just care about the money. You're a capitalist, right? And, and he goes on to like, okay, boomer, me. And because he's making all these assumptions. And basically I called him out. I was like, dude, you're just like reading my mind, you know? And he made this like comment at one point about, oh, well, you, you know, you lived here forever and you just don't know what it's like, you know? <laughs> and here's an example for you folks for not trying to read people's minds or make all these assumptions. And I'm guilty of it too, who make assumptions too, right? I think we all do, but let's just not get, let's not hold our assumptions so closely. Message. So the dude actually like steps in it. I would call steps in it, but I'm like one of the very few, very few. I'm a very rare breed when it comes to immigration because I actually have been on the other side of the immigration um, concept. And, and I'll explain that to you because it's very, to me, it's very interesting, but it's very rare. Um, I had an opportunity to go to work in Germany for a German company. So it's not an expat like where some American company goes, oh, would you like to go work in Europe? You know, no, it wasn't that. It was like, hey, uh, we need some aerospace um, experienced people. Would you be willing to move to Germany and help us develop a new engine, you know, new aircraft engine? And, uh, you know, we'll take care of all the paperwork. So this is 1993. So it wasn't as simple as just like, oh, yeah, hire this dude. The Germans had laws and they were a little bit different back in 93. Because if you make the assumption and jump ahead to what you most commonly understand about German open borders, which Angela Merkel brought in in about 2010 or so, that wasn't the way it always was. In fact, Germany was very restrictive on all kinds of things. I mean, every border you get checked. And I mean, talk about, they don't need a border wall. They had border security everywhere. And on top of it, the law was every single person had to have papers. That's where the phrase, show me your papers comes from, right? Let me see your papers, because that's the law in Germany. And in fact, you had to register with the police department. So I have proof that I lived in Germany because I had to register with the police, my address, who I was, and I had to have an um, Aufenthaltserlaubnis, which was permission to live in Germany. And I had to have an Arbeitserlaubnis, which is a work permit. So I had to have two things. So there was a legal immigration situation set up and I had to live on it. And I can tell you that I was there to add value to the country of Germany. Oh, the story gets even better, doesn't it, Mr. Twitter immigration lawyer? <laughs> And he doesn't know all this, right? Because he's just like making rash assumptions and reading my mind, right? And this is what happens, folks, right? So this is kind of a two cup of coffee podcast. I'm pretty fired up. And it's 40 degrees and it's sunny and it's nice out. But I had to layer up to walk the dog.
So uh, I had to explain to the fella that, oh, sorry, boomer. This, this boomer actually has a life experience that blows your immigration argument out of the water because I was not entitled to be in Germany. I wasn't entitled. I had no entitlement. At any, I knew that at any moment, the German government could say, you know what, you know what, we, we gave you permission to come here, but it's been a year and we don't think you're adding value to our country. So you know what, we're gonna pull your permission to be here and we kind of expect you to leave. And I might've been shocked by that, but I would have, I mean, I would have had a problem complying with it. And, you know, you could, you know, you could advance that forward and say, well, why wouldn't I have a problem with that? Well, because what's the alternative, right? What's, what are my choices? Well, return to the United States. Like, oh, that is some freaking penalty, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm in a rare situation that if I get kicked out of Germany, I have a place to go, right? And my point to the immigration lawyer is, you know, the reason a lot of people don't like millions of people showing up here undocumented and just coming in here is that there's no control over it, you know? And who do we know? Who are these people coming in here? And worse is if they're getting federal government benefits, you know, they why are we paying for millions of people to be here, right? And, you know, you get the violins out and the debate goes back and forth. And it's like, well, you know, Michael, you're, you know, you yourself, you're Moses Ward came over in 1858. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but guess what? When he came here, he knew he was on his own. There was no federal income tax. There was no federal anything. And besides, there was probably 100 million people here at the time. And it was a frontier and there was wide open spaces and it was like everything. It was just like different. It's different than it is today. So I don't mind. I mean, I could say like, okay, let's, let's let in 5 million people a year. As long as we don't give them a dime of federal benefit, come here and work like our ancestors did. Go add value. Go do what I did in Germany. If I wasn't adding value to Germany, they would kick my ass right out of the country. So there you go, folks. I'm not an okay boomer. <laughs> Shove that up that guy's ass, right? But he's anchored. He's, I'm sure he's right. Uh, and I, I just gave up. I dumped all my information on him. And now I'm doing the most important thing, which is walk bud right? and sharing my wisdom with you. So what other mind reading reveals came up? In the guy's tweets so you know his his next mind reading was is that he thought i said well they don't pay taxes right so he he he's he's been down this argument before and he's confusing my beliefs with other people he's heard so other people have said oh come on we can't they don't even pay taxes right and the argument is well they do pay taxes if you buy a coca-cola you're paying taxes, right? So I didn't even make that argument, but he read my mind and thought that I did. So there he goes again, right? Reading my mind, you know? 
didn't make that argument. Next was, he said that I'm worshiping the capitalist gods, right? <laughs> you know, he makes the assumption, reads my mind, that I'm like somebody else in his mind. He's getting me confused with somebody else, right? So what's the lesson learned for all of us? You know, take the Scott Adams approach. It's like loser thing. We all are susceptible to loser thing. And so I don't know how, if he's ever going to address the fact that he totally stepped in it when I've been on the other side of the immigration debate myself and lived it for five years personally, you know? And I think that's the best approach to all this is that, you know, you're, if you go to your another country, you're not entitled to go to another country. If they have laws about who comes in and who doesn't come in, you should just respect those laws. And you shouldn't have any entitlement of anything. And if they, if you, they decide after a while that you don't add any value, that you should just leave. Now, the next thing he's probably going to read my mind on is to say, oh, do you think these people that come here don't have any value? And I said, you know, that's, a, that's the next mind reading he's probably going to go down. But I didn't say that, see? So what I've said is, if they don't add any value, right? So for my case, when I went to Germany, they had to justify me having a job in their country because of the classic, I'm taking a German's job that a German should have. But fortunately, in my case, and the situation was, since Germany hadn't made any aircraft engines since World War II, they kind of lost that skill over 50 years. And they didn't whine about it. They just said, hey, we'll bring in some guest workers like me to help them make an aircraft engine. So that's what I did. And I knew what the rules were. I had to like abide by their rules or I'd get kicked out, right? So, and I'm not entitled to change their rules. And I'm not entitled to like go to a whiny lawyer and ask him, can you change the laws in the Bundesrepublik Deutschland for me? You know, no, that's not a proper way of living, you know, but I'm sure there are German lawyers, immigration lawyers who argue against the state's laws and try to find loopholes and changes and reasons why they're not right. And, you know, get the violins out. Oh, do you know, uh, you know, these people are coming They're They're, uh, what do they call it? Uh, oppressed people or refugees or they're, they're persecuted in their home country. Well, persecution in your home country continues to this day. Ask about Muslims in China, right? So they're being persecuted in China. But what's that to me? I don't, I don't live in China, right? Feel bad for them, but I can't do it. It's not in my, it's not my calling to go fix it. And I don't mind other people fixing it, but don't expect me to join on your parade. That's your thing. Go do it. So 
yeah, mind reading, making assumptions. I don't know. You probably, you can take everything I've said and twist it any way you want. That's why I love the concept of the attribution bias. If you like me and you may listen to this podcast, you may hate me, you know, but if you like me, you're probably going to try to listen to all the crap I say and like, Hey, I get it. I kind of agree with that. Maybe not always, but you know, I'm going to, I'm not, the guy's not evil. He's just walking his dog. You know, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just walking my dog. So, um, attribution bias, you know, attributing what you want to others. It's kind of like reading their mind as well. It all kind of goes together. And there's just so much of this attribution bias. And uh, I hope my friend in Chicago listens to the us and them. I'll have to listen to it again, too. But it just shows you the black slice. The black slice is just those little elements which are inconsistencies in what we say we believe. It's the old smoking what we are we smoking what we're selling. And I, honestly, I would say, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue with Rob Bell, but I would say, dude, are you really smoking what you're selling? You say there's no thems, there's no us and thems. And yet you did a whole podcast for an hour about you know ripping on the president. And he's clever enough and wordy enough and has got a big vocabulary. If I sat down and discussed it with him, he'd probably be like, have reasons why I'm, I'm not really getting, I'm not saying he's, he's like, no, I'm not saying that, that Trump is a them. He's really one of us, but he really, he really needs to believe like the rest of us. So really, no, no, Michael, no, you're really, you're getting, you're missing the whole point. I'm Rob Bell, man. I'm Rob Bell. I can, you know, my vocabulary is so big and I can discuss things, you know, he's an outlier on, on wording, right? So he can walk it back and he can walk it back and say, oh, no, 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 this is not about us and them. No, 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 Trump. No, no, no. Trump's one of us. It's just that we need to get him out of office because he's fucking things up, you know? Well, to me, that sounds like a lot of us and them thinking. So I'm sorry, Rob. You can you can bullshit us all you want, but you're just like the rest of us, which is inconsistent. So am I inconsistent? Sure, sure. So I really like um, Scott Adams because you got to be willing to be embarrassed yourself. So that's kind of what this podcast is doing, too. But what did I say this podcast was? Okay, Boomer. That's right. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. So maybe you're a Boomer or maybe you're not a Boomer. But again, it's a false, what would you call that? A false framework, like, like all Boomers think a certain way. And if you're not a boomer, you're correct. So it depends on what side of the boomer scale you're on. Are you born before 1965? Well, oh, okay, boomer. <laughs> it, it, it magically eliminates any thought that we have and eliminate, you know, just by framing people as a boomer or not a boomer. And if you're on the non-boomer side, you magically have the correct ideas, right? Right? Yeah, that's a good framework. And actually, we know that that makes no logical sense, does it? So, okay, non-boomer. Okay, you non-boomers out there. And I probably have 
non-boomers listening to the podcast, so I guess I have to stick up for the boomer, the boomer framework. And uh, so there you go. Oh, what was that? Yeah. So. All right. Is that is that a pretty good rant? Sounds like a pretty good rant to me. So. Uh, blinders. I probably need to listen to Rob Bell and blinders. And get back to what I'm called here to do. And I need the encouragement of Scott Adams to not be afraid of quote-unquote failures, mistakes. And uh, he, he's been there before I have gotten there, so it's worth reading him. <laughs> because he says social media, he goes, it's amazing how many people he's, I mean, he's learned this from um, social media criticism, right? He, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. You can take any position. You're going to have a lot of people who don't agree with you. Right. So he's seen it all. He's seen all the criticism. And, uh, and so his, com- his commentary is not to like, argue with him. He actually made something, an interesting comment. He goes, actually, probably 90% of the people that disagree with him are disagreeing with not his position or beliefs or opinions, but they're disagreeing with what they think he's saying. So again, it's that attribution bias concept of, you know, uh, somebody says something on social media and then they think they know what they mean. And so they frame it how they think, reading their minds, framing it, and then attacking. So he's, he's got the magic question, which sounds like a great comment. And I haven't used it yet, but maybe I should. I should probably use the magic question. And now that I brought it up, doesn't it sound intriguing, right? The magic question. So with the magic of technology, I should be able to find um, find it. And let's see how I do. I don't know what book is this one. I'm going to see what book I'm in first. What book am I in, man? I was just there. Dang it. So bear with me. What book is this one? So I got the... Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's find... Um, the magic question. Hold on, bud. Hold on. Let me balance. I got to use my two hands and I got to hold the leash at the same time. Magic question. And when you, when you hear about the magic question, it's kind of, uh, it's, he says it's the, uh, the most effective approach to addressing critics who misinterpret you and then criticize their own misinterpretation as if it came from you is this challenge. It's kind of like a straw man argument. State one thing you believe on this topic that you think I do not believe. Kind of a complex uh, magic question. It's not even a question, is it? <laughs> That's Scott Adams. I just busted you, man. Scott Adams. State, you know, says, you think border wall is the only solution to immigration? You must be a racist or an idiot. 
That's what this guy, state one thing on the topic of border control that you think is true and you believe I do not. And then the critic says, well, for example, you think we need a wall for every inch of the border. And then you say, I don't think that. I think we only need a wall where it makes sense, functionally and economically. We are in total agreement. And then the critic says, well, you also believe border wall will stop all drugs. And then you respond, I don't believe a border wall will stop all drugs. We are in complete agreement. There you go. So it's not really the magic question. It's a magic. <laughs> well, is it? I guess it is a magic question. It doesn't look like a question. Right? It, uh, it just looks like it's a request. I guess a request. It's a, is it a question? Why doesn't, it, why doesn't that look like a question to me? Um, so state, state one thing you believe on this topic that you think I do not believe. So is this like Jeopardy? We have to like rephrase it. Alex Trebek it. It's like, could you restate that in the form of a question? <laughs> Jeopardy. So I guess it would you'd have to change that the magic question to put it in the form of a question. It would say, would you please state one thing you believe on this topic that you think I do not believe? There we go. We got to edit the book, Scott. Next version of Loser Think. And that's it's worthwhile in this world. I can probably actually get that message to Scott Adams. And I'm learning from Scott Adams because he deals with the public. And I actually kind of like his attitude. He doesn't feel like he has to win every argument. He actually just goes, well, okay. I actually think we agree. <laughs> it's just that we all want to win. We all want to win an argument, right? Me too, right? So... Um, you should, you know, and Scott Adams is an old guy. He's, I'm a, I'm a boomer like him too. Boomers, man. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Go walk your dog, boomer. Yeah. Because you, as you're younger, you don't have the luxury of walking your dog. But what you'll notice as a young person that you're probably stressed out over a ton of shit. So if you're listening to this podcast to get some encouragement, that would be my encouragement. It's like we all stress out over a bunch of shit, ton of shit. And what is it, Saturday? So in 48 hours, I got a really important interview coming up. So I uh, I won't bore you with the details of my preparation, but it's basically being human and trying to um, relate to my the guy I'm talking with, right? So I could be unprepared. And just think, oh, this is just some dude's name that's screening me out, right? But it actually turns out the dude's a CEO of the company. So um, I better watch how I communicate. It's not just some screener, a phone screener. No, it's the CEO of the company, right? So then I can look at him on LinkedIn. And what do I find? It's like, crap, the dude's been... A CEO for quite a while, for maybe like 15, 20 years. And previously, he was 
the CEO of a $28 billion company. That's big. That's a big deal. But now he's the CEO of a less than $1 billion company. And that's some of the information I have. But I can't really run with that, right? I can't really make any assumptions on that. I can just observe. Like, who's this guy I'm talking to? And it's really an honor to talk to him. And so I think that's one of the first messages I'd want to get across to him is that, you know, I really appreciate, you know, talking to you. I can tell that he's been a CEO for many years and and uh, he's experienced a lot more than I've ever experienced. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. And I'm relatively loose about it, you know. There's no one's no one's prepared me like, oh, you, you know, hey, this is the personality of this guy. You really got to make sure you say this and this, you know. And I'm just want to be my authentic self and discuss how I can add value to what he's doing. But it's probably that personality, aptitude, and experience process that I'm going to rely on. And uh, I have a personality, and it's not the best personality, but it's my personality. So I might as well be authentic to that is. And I'm not sure I have always been authentic. Have any of us? So another tough question for you. Like the first one is, are you reading people's minds? Another one is, is how authentic are you to your personality? And I don't, that's, if, I, if someone, if I heard someone ask me that question, it's a very intrusive question. So I apologize if that feels a bit awkward, but uh, I think we all have that question. What is our personality? And we see successful people and we think, oh, maybe I can adjust myself and be like them. But none of us can be like anybody else, right? We have to be ourselves. And well, how is that related? I did read, uh, I have some friends that, that care about me and they've told me to, well, just be you. Be you, Mike. Well, you know, there probably a better way of phrasing that is to, um, you know, present the best sides of yourself. <laughs> not just be you because there's some uh, abrasive sides of myself too that in with strangers or first impressions if I don't present the best sides of me be authentic right but there are some really good things about my personality so those are the things I want to put forward but there's some negative sides too right so but a personality Right. Because if we fit in our work, right, and it's just like they call it like being in the flow or being in the groove, you know, you're just like you're in it. Right. It feels good. And that's the kind of work we want to do. And a job, I don't know if there's a philosophical um, switch on the word job versus work you know because a job sometimes also has this 
implied swim lane, you know. And that works a lot for a lot of jobs, you know, just stay in the swim lane. But I think all of us in our souls, when you talk about like our, our soul purposes, soul purpose, or when we talk about meaning in life, right? We want, we know there's something kind of more going on. So we, uh, we do that thought. And uh, so, you know, a job is a job and there's processes and you can stay within the job. But we, in our souls, we know that we want more than that. And we want to be recognized. So you're recognized, listener. You're recognized. You're smart. You're so close. We're all so close to to uh, growth, understanding. So Bud wants to go down here. And uh, we haven't gone this way in a while. But uh, yeah, it's by the wall. And I was thinking this is kind of the Berlin Wall, except for we just want to keep the noise out. And we don't want to keep the, the noise in. <laughs> but it's kind of a, yeah, symbolic. On the other side of that wall is uh, the Gila Indian Reservation. Well, besides the freeway. First thing you come across is the freeway. New freeway. But then you've got acres and square miles of Indian Reservation. And because of my life experiences, it reminds me of Berlin because there was a wall there and I lived in the southern part of West Berlin. So I could walk out into the former East Germany, like within five minutes of my apartment. And uh, yeah, that's an experience that uh, is also kind of rare and uh, makes you think. land, earth, borders, politics, government. So, yeah. Didn't have a dog in Berlin. But I walked, actually walked without a dog. Actually, mostly kind of did some running and jogging. There's also some walking. But, uh, yeah, get up. Do something. Physical. We got a little bit of dampness here, bud. Which way are we gonna go? Gonna navigate this muddy dirt here. Yeah, it's okay, bud. Want to go up? You going up on the high ramp? Trying to keep his paws dry. I'm picking up some dirt. I think on my shoes. But I'll have to wipe those off when I get up here. I don't know, is this soft or what is this? This is soft. No, I don't like that. Uh, I guess I'm going to walk over here, bud. So we talked about reading minds and what was the other thing? Making mistakes. This might have been a mistake to walk down this mud. Oh, we can do it. Or maybe we should go over. Is it over there better? Oh, it's muddy. Dude, it doesn't look that muddy. Is that some fright? That's freaky. Let's see if we can get over here to some better ground. Yeah, my shoes are getting heavy, bud. Your paws are probably getting heavy. Picking up that mud. 
and it doesn't look like mud, dude. But we're almost to the end, and then we'll wipe our feet off and wipe our paws off. But we found a better place to uh, walk, but I still got mud on my shoes. Dang it. Um, so what else happened this morning? So much can happen with technology. So I mentioned my mother-in-law's over. She has relatives still in Germany. And so we we did a messenger phone call because most of we have like a little family. A German guy set up this family group on messenger. So even though I'm a boomer, okay, boomer. So like you don't need, you don't need me to explain it to you, but I will anyways. But So there's a, a family group and we don't access it that often because it's eight to nine hours time difference. So there's only a, a narrow window. And so we just don't utilize it that much, but my mother-in-law's over and she doesn't, she's almost 80. So she's not a big Facebook technology user. So she's here for a few more hours. So I'm like, Hey, this is morning. Let's send out a message to the Germans and say, hey, who wants to talk to Oma? Oma's grandmother in German. So she had a little chat, a little chat with her uh, relatives, which is magical, right? So she came to this country in 1959, which for you non-boomers, that's uh, before they invented the Internet. <laughs> okay, non-boomers. <laughs> should, should we start a new phrase? What can it be? Okay, non-boomers. Okay, millennials. What is it? Oh man. So she uh, came to the U.S. Immigrated. Oh, another angle I have with the immigration lawyer. I'm uh, married to some fresh immigrants who came here in 1959 legitimately through the process. And they've been contributing to this great country's uh, background for, you know, so that, but how long has it been now? Is that 60 years? Yeah. 60 years, Alma came here and has been contributing to the fabric of this great country for 60 years. And she came here and started working and had no sense of entitlement. You kind of you kind of lose your sense of entitlement when the rest of the world blows up, it blows your country to crap. Because <laughs> you have a poor political governmental leadership. So the rest of the world kind of stops that out. Which, if you're listening to this and you have fear about wars, Scott Adams in his book had some comforting thoughts on how he pretty much believes there's going to be fewer wars now because we have more knowledge, communication, and that there should be fewer wars because people are going to see that this is not a good idea. And so... Hopefully we can stop these things before they escalate into something. 
So I've got another debate with the immigration guy. So in the idea of blinders, right? I think I will send him one more. If he, if he like tries to argue with me anymore, I'm just going to end it. I need to move on from this, this guy. He seems to like it, right? In which a lot of us do like to argue, I guess. Me included, but I'm learning that I got to shut it down. So I will take one more look. My expectations that he's probably dumped uh, three or four more tweets on me. And they're probably laced with loser think, which he, he, he denies, right? And then he, he magically tries to twist it on me, and yet he doesn't even, hasn't even read the book, right? Now all of a sudden he's an expert in loser think just because I've pointed out his own loser think, right? So this morning I'm going to end it with this guy. So if the it's 99% sure he's not going to tweet me and say, oh, man, I didn't realize that that was your life experience. So I am going to go get a job as a truck driver now and give up my immigration lawyer job. No, that's uh, that's more than likely not going to happen, right? <laughs> It's fun to think about, right? What are the odds? They're like probably one in in six billion. How many people on the planet? 6.9. Someone said 6.7. I like to say 7 billion. So 7 billion. So there's probably one in 7 billion chance that he will say, oh, wow, I never thought of it like that before. Um, I'm going to change my... 50 years of entrenched opinion. But because I read a few of your tweets, uh, I'm magically going to change my whole life. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. But I think that'll be my smart-ass final, my smart-ass final tweet to the guy. And then I'm just going to block him because I've had enough. Um, because it's just endless, right? He's he's made he's made three mind reading attempts to try to like uh, put me in a box of what he thinks I believe, right? So um, most of you listening to this probably don't venture into Twitter, which is really a, probably one another takeaway for you is probably like. Not going to do that, <laughs> but you're not me, and I'm not. I'm. I probably agree with you. Like, don't, don't get into it because you got better things to do, right? Now, my justification is that I can. I'm pretty. It, it, I give practice, being clever, and I also get practice. It helps reinforce stuff that I'm learning, right? So, I'm being selfish with my Twitter use. It's for me, but I've always said that it's all entertainment. But I probably uh, use intellectual uh, debates, thoughts to uh, practice my my thinking. So it's time for me to get the thinking out there and be willing to take the criticism and. Uh, 
And I'm, I guess I'm arming myself for that situation. But the practical thing I can do today is just end this three or four day debate with this dude who's entrenched in his opinion, which he revealed is he's an immigration lawyer. So of course he gets his money from having lots of immigrants. If there were no immigrants, what would he do? You know, he should try to, I should, another insult uh, to him would be, so, hey, you you love everybody in the world, right? Oh, yeah, I love my neighbor, yeah, yeah. So I guess what, immigration lawyer? It's, you're such a global-minded dude, you know? It's so, you're so, gosh, you're such a good do-gooder. Yeah, yeah. And instead of like getting people off to a good start in life, and when they show up at the border and they want to come into this country illegally and you're representing them, instead of like taking the money, you know, the best thing, because we all need it, is to lose our sense of entitlement. Okay. So I, I already proffered that concept to him, and uh, it makes too much sense, so he's ignoring it. But the next little knife twisting into his back would be, oh, yeah, you're such a global mindset and care about people, and you've got this great skill as an immigration lawyer. Yeah, that's a universal skill, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's just the good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know you're probably blind to the fact that it's uh, you're you're uh, <laughs> you're fortunate that you live in this country, where immigration lawyer is a thing. You know, it's like, yeah, it's because people want to come here. So yeah, you should be thankful to live here, and maybe not just twist the law and argue both sides of it maybe you know since it's such a universal good you know what what country do you think could really use those skills you know i mean gosh i mean you're such a do-gooder you care so much about people and 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 i can think of no other people on this planet that could use such love and concern than north korea yeah yeah so so mr do-gooder lawyer immigration take those skills like uh, Dennis Rodman does, and go hang out with Kung Jun Un and tell him how you want to set up the Department of Immigration in North Korea. Because, I mean, with all his advanced learning on immigration, I mean, just think of the benefit that he would provide to all those millions of people. I think there's like 13, 20, I don't know how many million people in North Korea. And the, the line is huge lining up to get in, to immigrate into North Korea. I mean, just ask Dennis Rodman, right? So this is like the ultimate knife in the back to this immigration lawyer. And he won't be able to deal with it, so he'll just ignore it, just like he ignored humans shouldn't have a sense of entitlement. And we should focus on adding value. So... Maybe you hate my view on immigration.
and and I'm not against immigration. I just think countries should control it. What's wrong with controlling it? You know? So I went, I did it. I went to Germany. They had to fill out the papers and allow me to work there and to live there. And when they pulled the papers, I would leave. So there you go. Um, and, oh, by the way, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they immigrated to this country. Huh. So actually, I do have personal experience. But even that doesn't entitle me to anything. It doesn't entitle me to be the one with the correct answer. It just entitles me to speak and offer my own views on immigration. And the idea that if you're from Mexico or, you know, Costa Rica, I mean, Costa Rica is a pretty fine country. Even Mexico is fine. I don't know why, you know, there's a weird reason why people feel like they have to come to this country. I don't know why. I mean, stay in your own, find, find a way to make your country better. It's not impossible. So, you know. And so I don't know. We're almost done with this walk. The the best things are how much mind reading. Did I read the mind of that lawyer? Am I guilty of the same things I'm accusing him of? Well, quite possibly. But I do have that piece of information that he offered, that he's an immigration lawyer, which kind of makes sense to all of his arguments. So does he know more about immigration law than I do? Sure. But does an expert mean, hey, does an expert mean that they have, that we have to listen to the experts? You know, the experts said the earth was flat at one time. Do we have to listen to them? Nah. It's oh, another part of loser thinking is thinking that the experts are right all the time. It's also a, my thing. What am I here to do? Work on organized religion. It's a small little thing. <laughs> a, small, a small little niche market. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure I'm going to get the critics. Um, because now I'll think of something that that Rob Bell talked about, the hymn for the curve, the outliers who think that there's a better way to do things. And is this a better way to do a podcast? Maybe that's what I'm doing too. I'm giving you a better way to do a podcast because Life's just not that complicated, is it? We make it, I make it more complicated than it is. Should I make a podcast more complicated than it needs to be? Or should a good podcast just be as straightforward as walking your dog and commenting about the weather and commenting about how the sun is shining and warming me up and that I'm thankful and grateful to live in a beautiful Arizona, which is only 150, 200 years old. And then the critics would say, well, no, people, Indians lived here for thousands of years, Mike. 
Now, you know, you, you're part of those white men that came in and, you know, you, you killed all the Indians and you did this. And did, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> but if you're a critic, you can read my mind that I would have done that if I could just because I live here. Nah, no, not true. But I'm actually here because of technology, because they invented air conditioning. And so now people like to enjoy the sunshine and it makes them feel good. So when people feel good, they kind of like it. So they kind of like to live here. And uh, I did catch on the uh, national weather news yesterday. That a guy said, oh, they've even spotted a tornado in Scottsdale, Arizona. Ooh, you know. And I kind of laugh at that because, yeah, it might have been a a freaky situation, but it's done. And it, and it didn't do anything. If there was one, it was probably a thousand feet in the air and didn't do anything. And we have those in the summer. They're called dust devils. And they're pretty uh, uh, innocent little things. They don't have a lot of energy to do any damage. But... You, you know, they're naming a tornado, but you know, it didn't do anything. So we don't, we don't have them every year. So the once in a thousand year tornado. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, an expert on things. Yeah. yeah. Um. And John's up there. Be careful, John, up on the ladder, man. We're not 30 years old anymore, man. <laughs> you can outsource that thing, dude. You're like Mr. Outsource. You know that. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, John. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're over thirty-five, and so our sense of balance goes. I don't know if you notice that, but. Oh, absolutely. So have you heard people say "Okay, boomer" already? Have you heard that phrase yet? It's like in the last couple of weeks. It's like an insult to older people like us. You know, like if you're part of the boomer generation. And you're having a discussion with them. Yeah. The younger people might go, "Okay, boomer." Oh, okay. So, so watch, keep your eye. You're going to hear it. I, I swear you'll hear it in the yeah. next four weeks. It. You're going to start hearing "Okay, boomer," and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so have a good day. Yeah, <laughs> hey, what a great way to end the podcast. Talking to another. Okay, boomer. Right. So this is the okay boomer episode so why not work it in and it's true you get older you lose your sense of balance so putting up christmas lights is dangerous and you know that already because you you probably read a story about some dude that died falling over with christmas lights
and the uh, people say often the there but for the grace of God. Okay, bonus segment. Um, I just noticed that the recording just ended on me. I'm not sure exactly where it ended, but I hope you got the conversation with my neighbor about OK Boomer because that was a really nice ending to the podcast. And unfortunately, with Anchor FM, I haven't, I can't move forward to exactly where I got cut off, but I think it was cut off after that conversation with my neighbor. And um, being older, and but he's probably going to hear the phrase OK Boomer pretty soon. And uh, now he's prepared for it. So he's set and he's doing his Christmas lights. So I'm in the backyard. I finished a walk. And uh, I want to wrap up this podcast by the traditional way, which is what, so what? You heard a lot of so what, and you got some what nows. So go do, enjoy your day, um, and uh, be a hero. You are the hero of your life, and you just need some grace, which you got, some mercy, which is surprise. You'll get some surprise mercy all day long, and some peace and that will be the result. You'll have some peace in your life. So, all right, until uh, Sunday, tomorrow, we'll see if we have a special Sunday morning sermon for you. Um, My style of sermon, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, bye.